Good afternoon. How y'all doing? You know, they talk about all the stuff we do, we've done different this year. How many times have you used thumbs up more than what you did ever before this last year? I think I've done that a lot. Um, what I'm going to share today, most of the biblical uh, foundation for it, I did in the Christmas sermon. So if you want verses to go with this, um, maybe go back and listen to that one. I'm going to tell stories today, but the reason I'm going to is Revelation 12, 11 says this. They, that is the Christians, triumphed over him, that is Satan. Christians triumph over Satan first by the blood of the lamb and then by the word of our testimony. And they did not love their lives even unto death. The testimony is the one of the things that are most powerful about our lives. And when we can share what God has done in us, people may be skeptical. They may think, I don't know about this or anything else, but it's my testimony. I was there and it happened. And it helps us to have impact. And people like to listen to stories better than they like to listen to to preaching. Jesus told parables and stories all the time. And so today, to illustrate the point I want to make, I'm going to do more stories than I am testimonies. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to help today. I ask you to uh, bring life to the stuff I'm going to say. And may it be something from you and not just me telling stories. But it'd be something that really encourage people. Amen. Okay, where'd Shola go? There she is. I'm part of an intercession group that prays for nations and leaders. Now, to be honest, I'm kind of out of my league when it comes to that level of prayer and spiritual warfare. But the leader of the group asked me to be there. So I said yes. I told her, I didn't tell her. I asked her, I said, hey, I don't really pray this way. Um, Are you sure I belong there? But she said, yes, I think you you can really add a contribution and a perspective that isn't normally there in an intercession group like this. So I'm in an intercession group every week. One day, about two months ago, we were praying for the leadership of the United States because obviously they've been having some problems with leadership. So I asked God, how should I pray for Donald Trump? And I got a picture of him having a picnic with his wife watching their son play. And this picture in my mind, it looked like he was really tense, which I think probably every president should probably be tense because that's a really, really hard job. So I asked God, what would you like for, I mean, God asked me, what would you like for the president? And I'm looking in my mind's eye, this little picture, and I said, you know, God, I'd like Donald Trump to have fun being the president. I mean, he wanted to be the president. That was something he had a desire in his heart. Could you help him have fun being the president? 
I don't know how God might have answered my prayer request. I do know that the leader started laughing when I prayed that, which is always really good for your self-esteem when you're not sure you're supposed to be there in the first place. But she started laughing. But then, (coughs) pardon me, then she said, yes, let's pray for the joy of the Lord for our president. It wasn't really what I requested, but I prayed for him to have fun anyway. And I've been thinking about this idea of Christians having fun ever since that prayer meeting. So today I have a question for you. Can you and I do distinctly Christian kingdom of God things and have fun while we're doing it? Can you and I do distinctly Christian kingdom of God things and have fun while we're doing it. Now, I've heard a number of speakers say, God's work is serious business, and it is serious, and it is important. But does serious and important mean it can't be fun or give us pleasure, happiness, joy? Why would these things be mutually exclusive? Demas Shikarian was the founder of the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International. The title of his life story is The Happiest People on Earth. He was known for saying this all the time, everywhere he spoke. I was privileged to hear him speak three different times in person. And yes, every single time, he said that Christians are, or should be, the happiest people on earth. You could all smile right now and kind of get into the feel of what's going on just a little bit. Thank you. So how do Christians have fun? Even better, can we do distinctly Christian kingdom of God things and still have fun? I think if we had fun, we would probably want to do the stuff more. I know for me, I do. Now, you know me by now. We need a couple of definitions. Nehemiah 8.10 tells us, and you don't have to look at it now, just write it down and look it up later. Nehemiah 8.10 tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy is different from happiness and fun. Joy is a choice. Joy is an attitude of our heart and spirit. And we can experience joy in good times and in really bad times because joy is not dependent on the circumstances. As Christians, we have access to God's boundless joy, a joy that does not come from our circumstances or anything we can make ourselves. It does not depend on how strong or how spiritual we are. Joy only comes from God and the relationship we have with him. Now, happiness is associated with feelings of the senses. It's an emotional response. It's a feeling of well-being or contentment. The definition of happiness I like best is this. Happiness is that feeling that comes over you when you know life is good and you just can't help but smile. That's happiness to me. Fun is connected to happiness, 
But fun is associated with activity. Happiness is associated with feelings and sense. Fun is associated with activity, pleasure, enjoyment, amusement, gratification, relief, refreshment, having a good time. I really do think Christians can have fun and do kingdom work. But we probably need to look at it a little bit more because a person who is not a Christian can have just as much fun and happiness as a Christian when they are doing similar circumstances. For instance, the place that the vast majority of Christians have fun and happiness is getting together for a church on for church on Sunday or in small group meetings during the week. You know, now some people say they connect with God with worship, and I certainly did today, and it looked like a number of you did. Some people may even connect with God during the sermon. Maybe a couple of you will get it today. Some people connect during testimony times. But very few people would actually, Christians would actually say they have fun at church. And that's okay. Church isn't necessarily designed to quote unquote have fun. Where do most Christians have fun? If we do say we have fun being a Christian, and again, most people probably wouldn't use that terminology, we have fun meeting and talking with people we like and care about, right? We have fun eating together. I miss our church snacks. Man, almost everybody nodded on that one. We share common activities together. If anything related to being a Christian is fun for most Christians, it is the relational connections we have with other people. We have fun and feel happy being with people who have similar and shared interests. But the world offers the same thing. During the Raptors championship playoffs in 2019, my friend Michael and I went to a pub near where he lives. We met many of the same people for each game. We talked about things going on in our life during all of those massive amounts of commercials between the actual play. We enjoyed good food. We cheered for the good play of the Raptors and suffered the losses together, consoled by the knowledge that we would be seeing each other again soon for another game. And we'd do the same thing all over again. Kind of like Sunday greeting time or being at the house church, or cell group. So what's my point? My point is the majority of fun and happiness experienced by most Christians is very little different from the fun and experience enjoyed by the world. When we're doing Christian relationships well, the world can do that too. So what makes it distinct for us? I just think it's possible that we can have more fun than the world doing kingdom stuff, being together as Christians. Being being a Christian should be more fun than being a non-Christian. Just a thought. Again, it's not wrong if we're not having fun right at this moment. 
I don't necessarily think that sermons are designed to be really, really fun. But we should be able to have more fun than the world. Now, I don't do beginning of the year predictions about what's going to happen or what will come during the year. Most people who make predictions that are, make them so vague that they can be just about anything when they do their wrap up at the end of the year. A number of people just flat get the beginning of the year stuff wrong or omit impacting events like in 2020. There were a lot of beginning of the year 2020 things that didn't turn out and nobody called for a pandemic. So instead of a prediction for 2021, I have a question for you. Would you like to have more fun being a Christian in 2021? We're doing it, Dawson. Would you like to have more fun being a Christian this year? Y'all better be careful. There's a few smiles starting to creep into faces right now. We ought to be having fun. I lost one of my pages. I have a 1995 video clip from a television interview done by Peter Jennings with John Wimber. The entire interview is available on YouTube, I think. I'm not quite sure how I got there, but anyway, I think it might be on YouTube. Peter Jennings was one of the most respected television news reporters of that time. John Wimber was the founder of the Vineyard Church, now a global church planning movement. But before he became a Christian, John Wimber was a gifted musician, including playing, arranging, and recording with the Righteous Brothers. So if you've got the clip now, can you show that? I love Jesus. I love the stuff he did. I love the multiplying of the food and, and the healing of the sick and giving sight to the blind, spitting in people's eyes. I mean, I love that stuff, you know. The first time he went to church, Wimber says he expected miracles. Did it. After just three Sundays, he was frustrated. So I went up to this guy and I pulled on his sleeve and he had a, something on his chest with his name on it, so I figured he must know something. I said, when do they do it? And he said, do what? I said, the stuff. He said, what stuff? I said, the stuff in the Bible. He said, well, uh, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, multiply the fishes and loaves and, 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 and feed the hungry and all that stuff. When do they do that? He said, oh, we don't do that. We believe in it. We pray about it, but we don't do it. And I was terribly disappointed. I said, wait a minute. You don't understand. I gave up drugs for this. I gave up my career for this. You mean I don't get to do it? When I worked for the devil, I got to do the devil stuff. If I'm working for Jesus, I want to do what Jesus did.
I think I pushed unmute about three times. I cannot wait till we're back live again. <laughs> I don't have to work through the computer. Did you catch what John Wimber said? When do we get to do the stuff? You know, the stuff the Bible says, the stuff that Jesus did. If I'm working for Jesus, I want to do the stuff that Jesus did. Why? Because it's fun. Doing the stuff Jesus did is fun. Way more fun than the drugs he gave up. I want to read a couple verses from a passage in Luke 10. Again, we're not going to pop it up here. I'm just going to read them to you and then then, um, use that as we maybe tell one more story. Luke 10, 1 and 2. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him in every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field. Verse 8. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near to you. Verse 17. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit us submit to us in your name. The disciples went out, did the stuff, and came back, and they were happy. They had fun on their outreach. They did the stuff Jesus did. They go, wow, even the demons submit to your name. The first time I was, I went to Indonesia on a ministry trip with, with Pastor Che, Cheon. We were at this meeting and this little gal about 16 or 17 was just kind of in a little lump in the corner, sort of like writhing a little bit. It, it was, it was creepy. You go, well, that's probably a demon. And um, there was one person who was praying for one of the leaders and it, and it didn't work. And, and he goes, well, I don't know what to do. And I'm thinking, well, you're like the leader of the church. Don't you know how to do this? But anyway, he said he didn't know what to do. I happened to be standing there. And so he said, well, can you do something? And I said, well, okay, let's give it a shot. And prayed for her in about, in about three or four minutes. This little gal who'd been here looking like she was writhing in pain. All of a sudden, the demon left. And she got this huge grin on her face. It looked like she was just like on, you know, some kind of amazing, you know, meal with Jesus or something. I don't know. But she was totally just filled with joy. The guy who was this ministry leader said to me, I want to do that. I said, okay, go find somebody else who's got a demon and let's practice. And he did, and we did, and the guy got this guy, got, got a, whoever it was, I don't remember, I think it was a guy, um, got him delivered from, from a demonic oppression. He goes, I know a lot of people I'm going to do this for. And he had this grin on his face like, how cool is this? 
I know a lot of people I'm going to do this with. They had fun doing the stuff. We're still being Christians, but we have fun. I'll tell you one other story, just that's just lots of fun for me, because it was one of the times when I probably had more fun. A few years ago, on one of the trips to India, I went with Mark and Ann and a team of people to go to India on an outreach in Uttar Pradesh. The first four or five days was a conference for pastors. Excuse me. During the conference, the ministry team prophesied to hundreds of pastors and leaders. It was a team, I think, of about 15 or 16 or something. We prophesied to hundreds of pastors and leaders because Mark was on the platform at the conference and Ann didn't like overseeing the ministry. Mark asked me to, you know, oversee the ministry team. One of the days I got everybody ready to go and all set up. They had the teams, the translators and everything. And then I was there by myself. I didn't have a partner and I didn't have a translator. But I said, man, I flew all the way to, you know, Uttar Pradesh. I'm going to do some ministry. So I asked one of the, uh, the person who had been my translator the day before. I said, can you go find me a translator? Because I've got nobody to translate for me. So he went back and came out of the kitchen with um, this woman who was in the kitchen you know, preparing the food for the, for the lunch. Well, we sat down and I quickly discovered that my translator could barely speak English, which is kind of a difficult situation when you need to be able to have a translator who can actually understand what I want them translating. Anyway, she didn't speak hardly any English. We sit down and I'm part of the prophetic ministry team. So I'm going to try to prophesy. And so the first guy came up and I tried prophesying, you know, and having, like Shola is doing right now, having a translation. Here's this pastor, tried to do a translation, and, and it was completely an unfulfilling effort. Okay, it was just really bad. She could barely understand me. I didn't know what was going on. You could tell the guy was going... What's going on here? But he was really nice and I appreciate it. He got up and was polite to thank me, but it was, it was just prophecy was just not going to happen that day. So I looked at this nice lady who was willing to try that came out of the kitchen. I smiled at her. She smiled back at me. The next person came up to sit down for prophetic prayer. I looked at him and I looked at her and I leaned my head back and I said, Oh God, what do I do? Because I just knew prophecy wasn't going to work today. God said, I felt like God said to me, do the stuff. Now, John Wimber was one of my first mentors, not physically, uh, mostly through attending conferences where he was a speaker or recorded messages and teachings. But I knew do the stuff meant do what Jesus told his disciples to do. Now, I couldn't prophesy. 
I couldn't teach them. I really couldn't communicate in any way with them. The only thing I could think of to do was pray for healing. So the first guy's still sitting there waiting for me, probably going, um, come on, dude, say something. So I asked my translator, and I used the word translator loosely because there really wasn't much translating. But I asked my translator to ask him if he had pain anywhere in his body or needed healing. After a couple attempts with my translator, um, she understood what I asked. She asked the man. He responded, and she pointed at her knee. I said, pain in the knee? And that got a big smile on her face. It's like, all right, we have connection. I'm so excited. You know, when God shows up, it's just such a relief inside. Even before the ministry, there's just something fun about, oh, okay, God's starting to work. And I was feeling pretty good right about that time. Okay, heard from God. So I said, Jesus, heal his knee. She translated or said something to him. I'm not quite sure what happened. Then I moved my knee, you know, back and forth, extended it and pulled it back and pointed to his knee. He shook his head and said something to the translator. She turned to me, said, hurt. Okay. I said again, Jesus heals knee. Then I stood up, pointed to my knee, and moved it back and forth. Then I pointed to his knee and smiled and nodded. He looked at me, looked at my translator, looked at his knee, and then slowly got up. He moved his knee a little, and then he moved it a little bit more, and then he put weight on it. And then he started jumping around yelling, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So, you know, me being the discerning person that I am figured, okay, something good must have happened. He looked at me, looked at my translator again, and sat down and talked to her, I don't know, five, six, seven sentences or something. The translator turns to me and says, it doesn't hurt. I don't know what they talked about. They might have been talking about Indian politics for all I know. But when it got done, it's like, it didn't hurt. Over the next hour, more people got healed at one time than in any other single time in my life when I prayed for healing. Almost every time, except for a few people, my faithful, my faithful translator, after I prayed, you know, found out, okay, we think there's something wrong, maybe in their arm or leg or they're sick or something. We prayed. God would come. She would talk with them. They would talk with her about Indian politics or whatever. And then she'd turn to me and go, it doesn't hurt. Every time. That's all she ever said. It doesn't hurt. I promise you, I had more fun being a Christian, doing the stuff for Jesus than any other fun I can ever remember in my life. To see one person after another get up and leave and, and be excited. And then my little translator, she go, it doesn't hurt. Then we get the next one. Happiness off the chart 
good. Doing the stuff is what makes Christianity fun. Look, there are serious times. There are times when we need to really press into God. There are times to grieve over sin that we've we've committed. Uh, there's times when we press in out of our own pain or hurt or frustration. There are times for that. But come on. Being a Christian ought to be the most fun thing in the world. And people ought to look at us having fun doing it and say, I want what you've got. What if we just decided Christianity could be fun in addition to serious, in addition to honoring and respectful and sober? What if Christianity was fun? We all like to do fun stuff more than not so fun stuff. Jesus told his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. I am asking workers on the screen right now, are you willing to go and have fun for Jesus in the harvest field? Verse 8 said, when you enter a town and are welcomed, Eat what is set before you. In other words, have fellowship however it comes to you. Maybe it's coffee at work. Maybe it's sitting next to somebody and you're sharing. Well, we don't share anymore. We don't sit next to somebody. But when it gets back to when we can do that, you're sitting next to them and you talk to them about something. Maybe you share, you buy a cup of coffee because you see the same guy on the, sitting on the same bus in the same seat every single time. And you sit down and talk with them. Wherever you have fellowship, Eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near to you. Because if we preach it, people, that doesn't really work very often in terms of evangelism. If we bring the kingdom of God to them and they get healed or they get a word of knowledge or they get something where they've been grieving over something and then they experience God that says, here's what God wants to do with and for you. If they experienced God, if they had more fun, if they saw you smiling instead of not smiling, we might have a different outcome. And verse 17 said, the 72 returned with joy. What if we were doing this so often that we had to schedule into our service a time for testimonies of how God came and did stuff? And the person was sitting next to us that had the stuff done to them. Come on, would that be fun to come to church to that? I'd show up for that one. I'd be there early to be in the front row. Just to see it and hear it. The 72 returned with joy. How many people we got on here? We've got 56 people here. So when we got the families, we got 72 people. What if God, Jesus, said to City River right now, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Go have some fun and bring the kingdom to where you live, where you fellowship, where you relate. 
eat what is set before you. What Who has God put into your life in the next month, two months, six months, a year that needs to experience the kingdom of God? I tell you, I truly believe we, we if we do that, we can have a time where we will say we will come back to our church service with joy and say, Lord, even the demons submitted. This rocked. I want to go do it again. Last Friday night, two days ago, Angie and Shole and I got to help someone experience hearing God's voice and how that person could make hearing God's voice a regular lifetime experience, lifestyle experience. You know, we needed the Kleenex, the whole nine yards. They encountered God. When I got off the phone, off the Zoom call with the, with the ladies, and and uh, I was just sitting in my chair reflecting, Mary had already gone to bed, and I said, God, that was so fun being a little part of you giving this person a God encounter. I want to do it again, and again, and again. I tell you, this kingdom stuff is addictive in all the right addictive ways. And it's fun. At the beginning of the service today, I asked a question. Can you and I do distinctly Christian kingdom of God things and have fun while we're doing them? I absolutely believe the answer to that question is a resounding yes. People of City River, do you want to have more fun being a Christian in 2021? Consider doing the stuff. Let's pray. God, I know that was kind of stories and stuff, but God, I like telling the stories. That's how I overcome the enemy is by the word of my testimony. It reminds me and it reminds the enemy I'm on the winning team and he's on the losing team. It strengthens me when I have a hard week to remember what you've done when I testify of the goodness of God. And I ask now, Holy Spirit, and I don't know how you're going to do this, but I ask that you would begin to create a hunger in each one of the people represented and families represented on this screen. A hunger to bring the kingdom to the people in their relational spheres. And not because they have to do a sermon or tell people they're going to hell but give them an encounter with a spectacular God who loves them so much that he gave his son to die so that they can be with him for forever. I ask that you would plant hope in people who maybe started out trying to do this and it didn't work so well and they just got comfortable 
fellowshipping. And I love fellowship, God. I know you do. You're really big into this thing. But God, I ask that we would move beyond just fellowship with each other. And we'd go where we're welcomed and bring the kingdom. Holy Spirit, have that land that Christianity is good for relationship. And we love the snacks. And God, thank you for bringing such amazing people who can put snacks together and people who are so warm and welcoming and so encouraging. But God, I ask that you put a hunger in the heart of every one of us, that we would be part of the 72 that you send out to say, hey, there's a huge harvest and I haven't got enough people to get them all. And that we would come back the next week and we would have joy and we would be in our cell groups and our cell groups and house churches and would just be a time when we're going, and here's what God did. And here's what God did. And here's what God did. And here's my friend I met and they've experienced it. God, give us the humility and the courage to say, I want to have more fun doing this stuff. City River, I bless you to go have fun as you do the kingdom. Amen. Aaron, my friend, can you just add a little bit of worship to all this that's going on now? Bless you guys. <laughs>